Welcome back to Learn It From a Layman. I'm Carl Christensen, joined today by Matt, Cameron, and Tim's back. Uh, Tim, you... Just my back. Just your back. Oh, boy. Okay. You said so. <laughs> <laughs> um, tonight, we're going to be discussing uh, the basics of universities, university or colleges, and what we need to do to get ready and get through and get a college degree. Um, and teaser whether or not you actually even need to do any of that. So um, we have some experience here on the podcast. We generally, once again, try to learn it from and with a layman, but uh, we all have some experience here with university education. We obviously have a government-funded educator here on, uh, right, Tim? So you know yes. a lot about this. Oh, yes, all sorts. Um, Cameron, who's graduated multiple times from multiple different schools, <laughs> and uh, Matt and I both, uh, and Tim, you got your master's too, didn't you? So we also have graduate-level education here. So we have lots of experience and lots of uh, good insights to show here, but there is some science in this, I think, more than just some opinions. So we're trying to give you uh, some good ways to prep, lots of things to consider, but also kind of a good methodology to approach this with as opposed to scattershot. And so the first thing that you need to do when preparing for either university or college really is uh, to pick a university or college, if not a specific one, uh, because I don't think you need to have – it might be actually foolhardy to go ahead and just pick one um, based on a couple different uh, risk factors you have in play, one being not getting into the school of your choice, uh, but just uh, lots of other things that could come up in life that, uh, that you need to be uh, prepared for and aware of. So if you're looking at a college, uh, where, look at multiple colleges. But it is important to start evaluating if, if whether or not you're coming straight out of high school or if you've taken some years off to work or whatever to evaluate um, what you're trying to achieve with your education. Uh, because you've got community colleges in play. You have um, you know, small four uh, some colleges that only have a few four-year degrees, and then you have large universities where you can essentially pick your major, and there's lots, uh, or, or very competitive universities where you don't actually get to pick your major because you have to apply for particular programs. Um, so there's a lot of uh, choice. There's a lot of uh, options, uh, and so it's important to select carefully to weigh your options with the things that you're good at, the things that you might need um, to improve on in order to achieve your goals. So let's start with uh, Matt. Uh, what was the process for, like for you when selecting a college and what do you think is important for the layman to consider? Uh, for me, a lot of it was financial. Um, one college offered me a good deal. Another college offered me a less good deal. And the third college I applied to said no. So How dare they? Indeed. If I'm not mistaken, that college was, uh, if those have not seen uh, Orange County, the classic Jack Black and um, what's the other guy's name? Anyway, um, where they switch out uh, the wrong uh, SAT scores, get sent to Stanford, and um, therefore he doesn't get into Stanford. Um, something along those lines. But uh, 
Matt had some some good options, and so financial was uh, is and is for the layman also a very important, obviously, uh, consideration. And I think one that people obviously ta uh, know of, but then kind of forget about and be like, oh, I'll just take student loans out, and that is an option. And if your goals require that, then so be so be it. But it is important to take into consideration that uh, your your college uh of choice might uh require more financially from you than you are prepared to uh shell out tim thoughts on that well no and I, yeah i mean financial i think obviously when you look at it all of college is a financial decision you're looking at how can you maximize your income in hopefully a career field that you like for the rest of your life so i i think Anyone who's taking advice from us has probably not got family with deep pockets who's going to send them to some Ivy League or whatever, unless you're a Wunderkind or something. So honestly, I think for most people, you just do kind of like Matt said, where, where's my best deal? And um, that's, uh, I think Cameron, well, oh shoot, this was probably before we turned on the recording, but Cameron was talking about community colleges. Um, I think that's honestly a smart route to go. You find your local school where you can live at home for cheap and um, get an education for cheap and not have to worry about taking out those loans. Because honestly, I think, I think, um, and sorry, I'm going to go teacher heretic for a moment here. I think our um, educational institutions in general have kind of peddled this, this half true tale about how college is the solution and everyone should go to college and blah, blah, blah. And it's it's gotten so ingrained that I think a lot of people are like, well, college or bust, they take out these big loans at getting less than marketable degrees just on the belief that, well, college, college degree is what I need. And um, they end up saddled with loans for a long time in career fields that don't offer a lot of options. Um, so you 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 really you got to work to avoid that if you can get scholarships great if not find a cheap option where you don't have to pay rent or don't have to pay a lot of rent where you can get pay low tuition community college style um tuition is nasty nasty expensive if you go to a a, a bigger four-year college um you, you go where you have residency established because otherwise you're paying out-of-state tuition, which no one should pay ever, ever, unless you like have money to burn. So uh, later on, money. That's, yes, that's, that's, what, right. that's what you do, Tim, right? Well, yes, I'm, I'm in the public service. So that's it. <laughs> later on, I'm going to do another teacher heretic spiel about vocational training and stuff. So perfect. But but I'll, I'll save it. You know, okay. I'll let you Simmer in suspense. <laughs> okay, and then Cameron, thoughts on uh, selecting a school as you selected multiple schools? Well, my first school I picked because I was a shoe-in and I didn't actually apply to anywhere else. <laughs> and um, the other school um, was a vocational school and they'll accept anyone because they want money. So, uh, yes, money. Wonderful. Uh, I, that's not all the schools you picked. You went more than more than two. Uh, yes, I have. 
I'm, I'm counting at least four. <laughs> uh, let me think. Uh, there was that school. <laughs> we can name names here. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> if Cameron says you, you be you. Cameron has dated around. <laughs> I, I was I was loose with my my love of of schools. That's right. Cameron uh, teased them and then slapped them and uh, so um, they called him Scalanova. <laughs> so this is derailed a bit. Can I offer another factor for school selection that isn't yes, just mercenary? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm actually flattered, Matt. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, the I mentioned I applied to three places. One place told me no. The other place said, yeah, sure, you can come here. Here's a pittance. And the other place gave me a really good deal. Um, well, the thing that directed which ones I applied to in the first place was where do I want to go to have a degree that is worthwhile? And I think that Tim said something that gets overlooked. When you talk about marketable degrees, that's critical in your decision. But assuming that you can find a marketable degree, the institution from which you get it does matter in your employability. And that was one of the major factors that I looked at. The school that I ended up going to had good academic credentials. It wasn't uh, you know, an Ivy League, that's okay. It didn't have to be, but it was a good solid school. And to me, that mattered as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Is if you do know uh, in front uh, ahead of time, and we're going to talk a little bit more about pick, uh, how to select a major, uh, but if you know ahead of time at least a field that you want to go into, uh, then you can look at more than just uh, how is the university ranked or how is the college ranked. It's specifically how is that program rate, um, because some of them, uh, some colleges and universities uh, excel in certain areas, and the um, and having that knowledge beforehand is important if you want to, like Matt said, uh, not just get a degree, but then to get a degree that will funnel you into a well-paying job, something like that. So, And if I could roll with that to kind of add a note on what I said earlier, I know I was down on student loans and stuff, and I am, but not all student loans are equal. If, um, if as, as Matt mentioned, if you're doing your homework, and you're setting yourself up in a good field with a good degree um, that will give you options and, and income, uh, it, it might be wise to get a student loan. I, I have a friend who, well, if you have, if anyone has a friend who's a dentist, then you know someone who's acquired hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loan. But um, because they're getting a, a highly marketable um, credential that's going to allow them to make very good money, that's, that's smart. That's a smart plan. Yeah, though so actually, so to oh, jump sorry. that real quick and to give a counterexample once again of, of just how to play things and how this is really kind of a calculus, um, we have another family member um, who is now becoming a doctor and has zero debt. Um, and he didn't go military. Military is an option in that case. Um, so, uh, but in this case, he just played it um, smart. Now, part of it is he got a little bit lucky and, and, uh, uh, as far as family finances are concerned, but uh, the parents didn't bankroll everything. He just uh, did things in a, a very smart way as far as um, 
getting scholarship and then also getting a job at the university, which gave him lower tuition. And anyway, just he got he got himself through medical school, he, he and his wife uh, with with no debt, which is uh, truly astounding when you think about the bills. Wow, and the, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's not doable for everyone. But um, it is the case that if you consider all of these factors and you play a university more as a, a, uh, a calculus problem to be solved with derivatives, and consider all of these things, then the uh, then your most finely tuned equation will give you the best out uh, outcome as far as both earning potential and amount of debt that you're saddled with. So, wow, your your math teacher really liked that metaphor. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I would like to add one little caveat. Make sure your school that you're attending is actually accredited. Otherwise, <laughs> that's a good you absolutely. spend a lot of money, and your degree is practically worthless. <laughs> yes, so. it's worth about as much as the paper it's written on. Um, and there are predatory institutions out there that will, yeah. It is true. Yeah. I mean, yep. I, I was approached by several people to attend a local college in where I grew up, where we grew up, um, but I did not want to attend it uh, for the practically worthless degree that I had and it was not accredited either so yeah so that is that is something to watch out for and obviously if you're going for like big name schools and then you probably don't have to worry about that but yeah if you're looking at like a local school and you don't know much about it find out before you start giving them money <laughs> whether or not they have been accredited um okay let's dive into a few specifics here we've kind of gone um uh talked a lot of, uh, about uh, selecting colleges and money and all those types of things, but let's talk about what you need to do to prep and, and get into a college of your choice. Um, so as you all know, and uh, obviously if you're in this realm of uh, trying to select a school, uh, you need um, to show off your abilities and usually that has something that starts with most schools with uh, grades and tests now that's not the case with every school right i know that there are large uh, even ivy league schools i think stanford recently um has taken standardized tests out as one of the uh, factors that they consider i don't entirely know how that works um so that's something to investigate <laughs> if you're interested in one of those schools that no longer looks at the act or the sat but the act and the sat are the standardized tests that most most universities still place a lot of value in and so those are worth getting right um and so it's important to know that you can take that, that that's worth studying for it's probably worth paying uh a uh, if you need to take a class in, I believe Tim can attest to that, right? Tim, you took a, a class that helped uh, raise your score. Your score. I, I uh, studied a book. It was like a Barron's, oh, you know. Okay. I, I don't. Did I take a class? I can't remember. But I, I did do, you know, prep for it. Yeah. Right. And um, I, I took, I took the ACT twice, and I think I did some prep the first time, but not a lot. And I was also sick on the day that I took it, which was a bummer. And I got an okay score. And then I did more prep and went back and retook it, and I actually bumped my score up four points. That's a which, lot for those that don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's a thirty-six point scale, right? So, right, right. Um, it, anyways, it, it was uh, it was enough for me. It, it, the The difference was, I mean, that uh, th it, the difference was uh, thousands of dollars of tuition every semester. Um, right. In, in the deal, you know, the the deal that I eventually got. So. 
Yeah, yeah I, I can attest to that. Um, a little bit of prep and hard work goes a long way. It's just a couple, a couple nudges on the scale could uh, make a difference, admission or tuition. Yeah, and that's something also worth mentioning. So Tim said he took it twice. This is a test that you can retake, and and most universities will just take your highest. Um, and some universities, if I'm not mistaken, Matt, um, will take your highest in each particular subject. Is that – am I remembering that right? I don't know about that one. No. Okay. That, well, then never If you mind. pay them extra, you have to give them a <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it's certainly worth it retaking if you didn't get a good score the first time. And even if you did, it might be worth taking again just to see if you can get higher, unless you get a 36 the first time. And that's the ACT and the scale of 36 and the SAT uh, scale of uh, – well, actually, I don't know what the scale is for the SAT anymore. I believe it used to be 1,600, but I think they changed the scoring. Um Anyway, it's certainly worth um, spending some time and effort to get that right and uh, and getting a good score. It will help you in most universities. But once again, look into the colleges that you're evaluating um, and look at what you score you need to get in order to qualify either to, obviously for admission and or some type of scholarship. So um, know your goals and, and then reach them. Um, and then obviously grades and, and high school grades kind of goes without saying if you're if you don't have a good GPA uh, that will reflect that poorly on um, on your college transcript so you know you when you're your high school transcript so when you when you are applying uh, and you flunked out of calculus it's not going to look good um, so spend the time in, in school doing a good job and you will reap the rewards as you apply for university um, but that, like I said, kind of goes without saying. Everyone knows that. But let's talk a little bit about getting college credit while in high school and how that kind of maps in for a lot of people. Um, Matt, you took some AP tests. Were those worthwhile? And what what is, for the layman out there, it's not entirely sure what AP is. Could you explain? AP stands for Advanced Placement, where you take a more in-depth high school course, and then at the end of it, you can take an AP test. And if you score well enough on the test, and the test is usually, uh, it gives you just an overall score of one to five. And if you pass with a three or better, most universities will give you some very basic uh, college credit, whatever that subject is. So if you take an AP physics test and you get a three, four, or five, you might get out of you know physics 101. If you get a two, like I did, then you don't get to get out of physics 101. Um, but I did do better in some of the other AP tests, um, like English, and uh, somehow I actually managed pre-calculus. Uh, no, not calculus, calculus, or not pre-calculus, pre calculus, calculus. calculus, calculus. Yes. Yeah, the way I'm stumbling through that, you can tell I deserved to, well, never mind. Um, but yeah, that's uh, the AP system. It's just a way to earn some college credit before you're actually in college and it can be very handy in getting you out of some of those very low level basic uh, freshman courses it can right. also not matter at all in the case of say uh, you know an engineering major like me who uh, it turns out that most of the AP courses I took even though I did get credit didn't actually count toward anything useful in my degree. So, you know, uh, English, psychology, history, those types of things 
um, nobody cared <laughs> that right. uh, that I'd gotten that kind of decent score because when they look at my uh, you know mechanical engineering and they look at psychology, there's not a ton of overlap. Maybe some overlap, but no, there isn't. Right. So yeah, it, it, go ahead, Tim. Oh, and I, I was going to say that's that's something that the the farther ahead you planned, the more you can look into. If you're if you are dead set on a certain major or something, you can kind of look into that. If not, then it just com- comes becomes kind of a balancing act of I'm going to kind of try to get a lot of eggs and put them in some different baskets, and then when I get to my college, you know, the, the, that I end up at, I can hopefully be able to use some of them. Um, and then the ones that you don't use. Um, in in my mind, it's not all bad if you're oh shoot I didn't get to use that because you're still the the other thing to consider and this is a soft thing it's it doesn't add up on paper but it's real taking those kinds of classes the AP classes the advanced classes in high school will prepare you in a different way to be successful in college a lot of people talk about going to college and kind of the shock of you know, stepping into all of a sudden a different kind of academic environment. It's more challenging. It's uh, less supported, and um, and a lot of a lot of students have a difficult first year or two as they adjust to that. Um, I I believe that students who have some exposure to these kinds of classes are better prepared just because they have experienced. Uh, those kinds of classes, AP classes and dual enrollment classes, tend to um, be more structured and and kind of that rigorous style like a like a college class. So think of it as preparation of another sort, uh, not financial um, or credit necessarily, but preparing yourself. Um, and so another hope, factor. Oh, sorry. I, I was oh, no, yeah. Say. I just hope to encourage you to to think about them no matter what. Yeah, one other factor is when you're applying to your college, if if it's going to be a competitive application uh, and your transcript shows AP courses, even if your grade isn't necessarily as high as if you'd taken, say, vanilla world history, if you've taken AP history, that tends to look good. Right. Right. And that's something that I think is uh, is valuable and, uh, and like I said, uh, especially for universities that don't evaluate standardized tests and it's hard to set yourself apart. Uh, doing it with the classes that you selected uh, is one way to do it. So um, did you want to talk concurrent enrollment? Yeah, I was going to mention concurrent enrollment I, and Tim kind of touched on it as well as far as like dual enrollment classes. Cameron, I think you took some concurrent enrollment classes. Do you remember which ones you took? Uh, I took three actually. And how, uh, how were they in what, concurrent enrollment? That means you're well, in enrolled. High school and college, right? Yeah, it's yeah, usually was, uh, set up with a local college of some sort and a local high school. Yeah. But yeah, go ahead. So, I mean, the nice thing about doing concurrent enrollment is you basically get to take a semester class in college throughout the full year in high school. So you go a little bit slower pace and then you get the college credit. Um, I took... Uh, college algebra which was math 1050 um and it saved my bacon from actually taking any math classes in college so i never had to take one uh, i had did a, not major in engineering <laughs> <laughs> so it worked out great for me uh the other one um 
I did an English class on, I can't remember what the other one is, but I, so it saved me from taking, you know, some of my general educations, but you know, it saves you, um, I don't know, save me nine credit hours or something like that. Actually a little bit more, but you, usually these courses are geared towards, uh, concurrent enrollment and AP are geared towards the, you know, freshman level, entry level yeah. courses. If you take enough of them, it's entirely possible to cut your freshman year out. Actually, it's entirely possible to graduate high school with your associate's degree, which I know several people did. So, right. Yeah. You can, uh, which is say, crazy. Something but, to, anyway, evaluate, to think about, just yeah, kind of the yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, um, also the thing about concurrent and AP classes, if you think about the, how much it costs for you to take a college level versus if you're doing concurrent enrollment in high school, uh, it's virtually free for you versus you're paying, um, you know, six, seven hundred dollars for the class in college. So, sure. Yeah, that's good, a good point. Good point to start. Um, but yeah, as, as a kind of a counterpoint that that uh, where concurrent, concurrent enrollment classes, AP classes, college credit classes can be very useful. It is also the case that uh, you're talking about, and, and I guess as kind of a preface to this, I'm talking to a, a layman audience here. I know we have listeners that are in the high school, late high school, early college uh, experience. We also have probably parents of soon-to-be college students listening, all those types of things. We're talking, if you're prepping for college, most of these people that are prepping for college are teenagers, late teenagers. A lot of you don't fully have a a grasp on what you want to do. And so trying to get through as many college classes as quickly as possible might not actually be what's best for you. Because some of these classes are going to be formative uh, and, and better inform what you want to do with your life and so trying to rush through and and get an associate degree by the time you're done with high school or something like that can be useful if you know what you want to do and what you want to achieve and you know what life path you're trying to walk down as opposed to those that might still be uncertain give yourself that time that doesn't mean don't take those classes still challenge yourself open up your opportunities however uh you know give yourself a time to develop time to see and experience these different um you know uh fields of study and and let uh, and be informed as on those topics as you get older because the more experience you have um the, maybe the more your opinions will change and, and your 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 interests will change so just kind of uh, something to consider as well and uh let's take a look now at uh kind of college applications and we've talked already about grades and tests and exams but there's also essays and and citizenship um, that are important when um, when preparing for college and and filling a college application as they want to know some of the uh, citizenship or extracurricular things that you were involved in as well as they'll want most colleges want to see a sample of your writing right Tim and how how do you help prep kids for that yeah so for writing um, I mean, I'll give you the right answer and then we'll talk about other answers too. So the right answer is to work hard in your English classes and really learn how to express yourself and, and express your ideas and to craft your writing and become a good writer. And then you can just naturally write a good 
college entrance essay. And so, <clears throat> anyways, so there's your short answer. The long answer is uh, obviously wherever you're at, you want to produce the best thing. Um, I would I would suggest a few key um, core elements for whatever you write. First of all, authenticity. Um, that kind of honest tone you um you sometimes people especially when they're writing for something that counts they try to protect themselves in this kind of formulaic uh, style they write whatever they think the greater or in this case the admission people want to hear and so they end up writing this really stilted um formal and predictable stuff and it and it, it all just becomes you can imagine being someone reading these you know hour after hour and how it would all dissolve into kind of just a white noise um so <clears throat> i instead I, I would recommend if i were just talking to a family member or whatever i would say try to keep an honest tone um you know talk about your strengths and weaknesses with candor of course always always presenting your strengths in the best light and then um, also search for those things that set you apart and um, be sure to highlight those. Um, yeah, can I? So oh, sorry, um, yeah. a lot of our listeners probably know Johnny. If you've listened to Basics of Biology or any of our, he, he's the doctor that frequents our podcast. Um, so he is, uh, we were friends in high school. Uh, well, heck, we were friends even, we were friends in elementary school. Uh, Johnny took the long road to becoming a doctor. Um, and he's, uh, but, uh, so it turns out when he was applying for medical school, uh, he, he was able to put on his application, you know, on his essay, his entrance essay or whatever, that uh, he talked about how, how it felt delivering his daughter <laughs> because his wife, they weren't able to make it to the hospital in time. So uh, th trying to find something that sets you apart. I don't recommend like having to deliver a baby to do so, <laughs> but. But um, if you can pull that off, include <laughs> it in your essay. That'd be amazing. Exactly. But that type of thing just helps set you apart. And, you know, he was able to get, obviously, into a good uh, medical school. And getting into medical school is darn hard. So, um, you know, that those types of things can, can help for sure. Sorry, not to cut you off, Tim. Anything else? No, that's fine. Uh, okay. But, I, I um, like cutting you off. Yeah, there, there's a star thing. And, and obviously – Every every essay is different. You should probably consult with uh, good writers that you know and uh, get their advice. Peddle, on peddle our, our services. Yeah, that's right. And, and you can send it to us, and yes. we will give you a guaranteed revision. We guarantee <laughs> we'll read it, and yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Uh, and then citizenship and extracurricular activities. Once again, those do matter. Um, they matter more or less depending on the university or college that you are applying to, though. So if you're trying to get into, say, MIT, um, those things matter greatly. Obviously, so do your exams and, and things like that. But um, let me give you an example. My my boss's uh, daughter just uh, started uh, started university this last year, and and so a year ago she was applying to schools, but she played softball. And so she had really good grades and things like that, but she um, was uh, recruited by the MIT softball team and was given um, 
an offer to come to MIT, play with the softball there, and, um, because she both had good grades and because she was a good softball player. So there are more than one way in to these universities, right? So um, uh, that's not usually a way that people could think of getting into something like MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, is with softball skills, but it turns out that is a viable way to get in. Uh, um, so I would caveat that by saying, Maybe don't count on it. <laughs> That's fair um, too. But like I said, yeah. she had good grades yeah. otherwise. And, so. and extracurriculars, and in particular athletics, are heavily uh, favored. Um, uh, one of the schools that I tried to get into turns out one I didn't get into. Um, they talked about how they were interested in a complete person, not just academics and also not just athletics, but really the whole package. Um, and well, like, like I said, I didn't get into that one, but still, uh, those types of things do matter. And if you have good academics and some strong extracurricular activities, that looks very attractive to a lot of schools, but it's it's hard to be able to count on getting in with only one of them, regardless of which one it is. Right. Right. So broaden your horizons, use your time well, and uh, and you'll yeah, you'll you'll increase your probability of getting into these schools. So. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about scholarships. We talked about money, how it's important to consider money, in-state tuition, in tuition versus out-of-state tuition, um, community college versus university. But um, but all of these things aside, there is, there are, there's grant money and there's scholarship money. Grant money is money that you can apply for and get granted to you. Uh, that's usually need-based. Um, so that's if you are coming from a rel relatively poor, indigent s situation, uh, and you need that help, uh, then you know government grants, those types of things can help you. Um, so look into uh, getting that help if that's the situation that you're in. Uh, if you have good grades and have good um, either you know amazing grades and or amazing uh, academic uh, sorry um, uh, artistic or uh, athletic abilities, then you can start looking at other types of scholarships. And scholarships, so usually you think scholar, you think academic, but uh, there are other types of scholarships. So, for example, our aunt um, got uh, was uh, admitted to university with a swimming scholarship, and so uh, she uh, was on the swim team, and uh, that that is one of the way she paid for her first year at college. Um, have to also consider though and something that she learned uh, is that it was a lot of work uh, and a lot of work that she was more interested in the academic and, and other parts of the university than she was in really spending you know five hours a day training for athletics and so if you're getting an academic a sorry a, a athletic scholarship then know that you're also paying for it in the amount of time that you're devo devoting to that uh, that sport and so if you have uh, aspirations to become, you know, a doctor or an engineer, it, these very de demanding courses of study and you're spending, you know, four hours a day training and the weekends traveling or whatever, then then it's going to be quite challenging. Not not unachievable, but you're raising the difficulty level. So take that into consideration as well. Um, 
thoughts on scholarships? There's lots of available scholarships. Matt, any any uh, thoughts on how to get scholarships? Uh, not more than what I've said. Be good at things. Do <laughs> athletics. Do your academics. Those types of things not only look good for admissions, but they also look good for the people who are considering paying you to come to their school. Um, and and I, I guess in general, there are sites online that will tell you all about the different scholarships that are available. And there are scholarships available for everything you can imagine. Um, you know, the were, were you the junior champion underwater basket weaver? Well, the Underwater Basket Weaving Foundation probably has a grant set aside for uh, an annual scholarship for the best basket weaver. I mean, there's there's always something. Right. So, and I, and let me just kind of add on that we we tend to think of scholarships as this you, you know the the spoils of the talented you know this is what if you're really smart or really athletic or, or really amazing and such and such thing you you get it. I, I remember my senior year the school did like a scholarship awards ceremony. They like to kind of you know trump up all the everyone who's getting awards from the school and so they had this big thing and so you know they had the the kind of good grades scholarship that you know the state schools give to you know this certain percentage of people the top gpas and and you know other sports scholarships and whatever and this one buddy of mine they there were all these little scholarships that um and they they just kept calling his name up to collect this scholarship and that scholarship and and what he had done, I mean, and he was a smart kid. I mean, he, he got good grades and worked hard. He was very talented, but he had also done the hustle work. Um, he'd gone to the counselor's office and, and worked on filling out paperwork and applications for all of these little scholarships, you know, $5,000 scholarship here, a $2,000 scholarship there. And um, it was something that really none of us regular, regular Joes can, had thought about doing. But um, when you think about how a lot of these scholarships, it's overlapping work, right? You got to fill out the same paper kind of paperwork so you can do it. And then you got to write these entrance essays or, or application essays or whatever. You write, write two or three different things and you can use them to apply for all sorts of scholarships. But he, he went and hustled and got himself thousands and thousands of dollars of scholarships just because I think a lot of them might have been the only guy who applied for them. Um, so get uh, become buddies with your high school counselor and uh, talk to him and say, look, I, I'm really interested in college and I want to work hard to make it as easy for myself as possible. Can you advise me on applying for scholarships? And, the more you apply for, the more you're going to get. You'd be surprised. But like Matt said, there's tons out there. Right. And consider, once again, the things that kind of set you apart. And like I know that there's left-handed scholarships, right? There are uh, scholarships for different type of ethnicities, um, just different ba backgrounds. So even if you don't see yourself, yeah, as, as being the typical scholar, um, you know, people are trying to to help people succeed. Uh, out there and so you know if you if you come from a particular scenario where you're disadvantaged look out there and see if anyone's trying to help people like you get through school um, it's worthwhile um, and once again kind of an aside again but we're talking to the layman who 
kind of a small percentage of people that are currently applying for universities. But throughout your life, you apply for lots of things, right? Be it graduate school and then eventually a job. And then eventually your kids are going to be uh, graduating high school and applying for school. So take all of this into advisement and, 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 you know, refine your process. Let's talk about now that we've applied for college, maybe we're in college and now we need to declare a major. Um, What's that process look like? And uh, Cameron, you have a lot of experience declaring many majors. Um, this is the... true. I I have declared more, way too many majors. So what's the process for you? What's uh, what should people consider? What are um, what are the things that they need to do? Well, it's really what do you want to do, and then you just say I'm that major, and then you pretty much declared your major. There are, well, depending on the program, right? Because there are open majors. Yeah, there are open majors. Other ones, you just have to go talk to your counselor or academic advisor and just fill out some paperwork, and you're that major. Right. Interesting enough, if you say it enough, people will just believe you, even if it is or isn't, and you can just walk into programs, and they'll be like, no, I'm this major, and they're like, oh, crap, okay, and then they just put you in. If you're firm That's enough true about for some it. classes, I do have experience. Like I was a linguistics major, and I was able to sign up for a lot of upper level level uh, computer science classes, despite the fact I was a linguistics major because I asked nicely, and they said, "Sure, yeah, go ahead and skip all of these prerequisites, like five of them. Go ahead and jump in the 400 level classes." So we should be advocating for people that they attempt to hustle the system. (laughs) That's actually what my my, it all uh, depends on the university and what their requirements are. Some of them are looser. Some of them are more controlled. You're right. You're right. And Uh, and some majors you actually have like it's it's quite competitive. Like I know that um, dietetics. I think in the at the university where I went, uh, like. They only accepted a small number of people uh, each each semester. And so you can hope that you get in that major. You do your work to get in that major. And then your plan's going to get shot to shreds. So keep your options open. But um, but as far as <laughs> trying to hustle the system, I don't – obviously, you want to go by the rules. But my – that. The prof- professor that let me in these classes also then accused me. He said, "You're just cherry picking the best classes we have," and I said, "Sure, I am. Why wouldn't I?" And uh, and he seemed to like that response. So, um, uh, you know, obviously you want to take prerequisites and and jumping in the deep end, you darn well better be able to swim um, because it's e- easy to to sink um, when you're taking CS 479 is your first CS class, but um, it's that would uh, be computer science for the <laughs> that's correct well, layman, I guess. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, picking a major, I, and I, I know I think I've even related this in the podcast before. Uh, so I, I looked into the astronomy. I was really interested in astronomy. And I remember um, Tim and I actually had the same astronomy professor who I believe yeah. is still teaching um, and will be for the next hundred years. That's the transcended aging. <laughs> um, but I remember going to the, the going and picking up the sheet that tells you what classes you had to major in, and the number of calculus classes was truly astounding. And I set that sheet back down and I walked away and I never looked back. <laughs> um, 
And so, you know, t taking uh, under advisement both your capability, your um, interest level, and then um, and and then all the requirement the requirements for it, and and your timeline, because some univ uh, university majors uh, take five years uh, to finish. Right. And um, some you can get it done in three and a half or, or even quicker if you're taking summer semesters. Right. So uh, once again, like taking us all the way back to the beginning of the podcast, if you're picking a college and you, you know what you're looking for. If you know, pick a major and you know what you're looking for, then you can get through college quickly if that's really what you're going for. Um, but uh, for some people, it's really more about the educational educational experience. And, uh, and it's more it's more than just get the, me this degree so I can get a job. Uh, it's more becoming a real well-rounded and educated person. And that's great. But for a lot of people, it's really just about the money. So. Um, so mercenary. <laughs> um, well, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. One thing I would suggest is go into college with a plan. Um, it is highly discouraged to go in and think, well, I'll just take classes and find something I like. Uh, people that do that tend to either not graduate or take many, many years to graduate. And then, I mean, the, the longer you take, the more debt you got uh, and the more the financial costs. So consider that you, you want to uh, get a degree and you want to get it expeditiously yeah and i can i can give you an example of, of kind of so i i made majored in linguistics this has come up in this podcast and many previous podcasts as well and i i thought i knew kind of what i wanted to do with it but i around the, my third year in college i started realizing there really isn't a lot to do with this so i had to quickly about face pivot and uh, and figure out okay well how am I going to turn this into a some type of gainful employment and so I started looking into research groups on campus uh, that would be affiliated with linguistics and I got associated with some uh, natural language processing groups and all of a sudden I had a career path and so it's useful in in college not only to go to to school go to your classes you know pass but actually get involved with extracurricular activities in college. And often I think, at least in my mind, when I was going to college, I was kind of behind that. I wouldn't, no longer was it necessary for me to take those because I wasn't going to be applying for college. I was now in college. However, the idea then now becomes more, this is actually a, a life skill uh, that I'm going to be uh, using. And so if I can get to, into some type of research group or other, you know, extracurricular activity at college, maybe that I can leverage that into employment in the future. And so there are lots of different ways to do that. Um, but and that's um, something that I think everyone needs to uh, take uh, another look at if you haven't done that yet and you're still in college. Carl, can I uh, use this moment to share my crushing your soul speech that I give to my students? <laughs> Shoot. OK, because you talked about following your dreams you know you wanted to be a linguistics major is what you're really interested in and we encourage kids a lot with that we say you you know what's your passion what do you really want to do and uh, sometimes i think we we do harm because we so encourage kids to do their passion that they just say oh i'm, I'm just gonna 
follow what I want, and then everything else will take care of itself. And they end up miserable because now they've got a master's degree in trombone performance, and they're working, <laughs> you know, great job. I'm sure you just offended one of our listeners. So. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, I actually heard a, a story about some guy with a master's degree in trombone performance trying to pay off his student loans. And, um, you know, what a terrible thing that uh, no no mentor along the way gave him a little helpful nudge. And so here's what I tell my students. I say, look, um, don't ever give up on your dreams, but recognize that your your college major and your choice of profession is not the only avenue through which to achieve your dreams. Um, so if I love playing the trombone, then maybe I get a degree and a job that allows me to earn good money and have some, you know, you know, vacation time or time free on weekends so I can, you know, play in a jazz band. Um, or maybe I, you know, just record on my own just for fun. Uh, you know, I don't have to give up on my dream and live life as a poor, starving artist. Um, and what I also, I, I actually share your story, Carl, about how you, um, you can kind of incorporate a plan B into what you're doing. So maybe that, that's a great thing about college. You can have a major and a minor. So maybe for one of those, you, you, um, you know, French art history, because that's your passion, right? But then you get a minor or, or a major in something that's a little more marketable, you know, say engineering, or, uh, or you get a, a nursing degree, or, uh, or you graduate and go to law school um, so that you can, you know, still have a marketable, I, you know, you, there are ways to, what, what I'm getting at is there are ways to follow your passion and not ruin your marketability on the free market. So just don't pursue, you know, darn the expense, um, your dreams without having a, a plan B and without having multiple uh, means for you to to um, get employment and to earn a living for yourself. Yeah, and this is goes back to, yeah, I think that's a really good advice. And I think this goes back to this being all kind of a big calculus problem. I think often we try to do it um, too linearly, but there's, there's, there's so many nuances, there's so many curves and, and changes. And, and, and yeah, like you said, life is not detect, uh, dedi- uh, dictated directly by the, um, the, the degree that you have um, as far as the things that you can accomplish. Um, it certainly can shape it, but it uh, doesn't necessarily um, close doors unless you yourself close those doors. So. Um, let's see. Uh, oh yeah. A quick, um, also plug for, I read a while back the book by Andrew Yang, smart people should build things. Uh, if you don't know what you're going to be and, or if you're already decided you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, doctors are wonderful. Lawyers, I think are still people, but, um, If you don't know, and if there's any question, engineering is a wonderful way to move forward in life because uh, we, uh, society, the economy, everything always needs engineers, people that can build things, people that create things, innovation, uh, invention. um, And so that is – that book was just, once again, 
underscored how kind of the traditional path for a lot of people that are looking into Ivy Leagues and things like that are just thinking, well, I'm going, I'm going to become a doctor, I'm going to become a lawyer. And that's how I'm going to make, you know, $400,000 a year and live, you know, this high life where society needs more people that can think, okay, well, I'm going to go create a new uh, product. I'm going to go build a new uh, airplane. I'm going to, you know, all these different things that where uh, that actually improves the standard of living. And so uh, while we're talking about colleges, I think that's useful to talk about. And I think that takes us to our next topic and our last topic, which is, do we really actually need college education at all? Um, and that is, uh, Tim, you wanted to have a say on that, right? Yes, indeed. Um, all right. Activate teacher heretic mode. Go. Um, all right. So, yes, you should go to college and get a college education. That's the right way. But <clears throat> I, uh, if, you, if you look around, I'll give a, a personal example. I have a master's degree and I'm very well educated and I'm certainly not, you know, not languishing in poverty, but um, no one would, as a as a school teacher, no one would point me out and say that guy is well paid. Um, and and uh, of course, as Matt points out, it's not all mercenary. But um, if you're if you're just looking for where to get a good occupation, uh, learning a useful and desired trade is still a very viable option. Um, I have uh, lots of friends and family members who have no college education who easily earn more money than I do, uh, doing things like welding, uh, firefighter, uh, someone who, uh, who runs a business that installs tile, um, cabinetry, and um, all sorts of things. So there's a, there's this wonderful world out there of entrepreneurship and and skilled labor that has all sorts of opportunities for people who are willing to work hard and willing to acquire those skills, which actually require a lot of work and dedication to get, but then um, set them in uh, a side where they can they can command good pay. Um, and a little caveat here, you know, it's a, a lazy kid listening might say, aha, a teacher just told me I don't have to go to college. So I'm going to stop trying in school because it doesn't matter. I'll just get a good paying job after high school anyways, um, which is not true. You know, in each case, these that I'm talking about, these people had to work their way up uh, years of developing skills and um, and learning uh, not only trades, but, uh, you know, running business and and all of those things. Uh, I'm, I'm saying this mostly because there are people out there who don't thrive in school. They have a hard time um, that, you know, they have a hard time getting good grades. Maybe <laughs> the idea of going to college and experiencing all of that at a, you know, at an even higher rate and level is the last thing any of them would want or feel like they could be successful at. And I just want to put a little bit of hope out there because we don't talk about it enough that, um, you know, those people, you are needed and you can not only um, make a difference in our community, but you can thrive and be very successful. 
Um, it's uh, success and including monetary success is uh, not uh, not super tightly linked to your high school GPA. And so I, I just I see a lot of kids come through my class who who struggle and uh, they you know they know they're not going to be successful in college. And I just want to I wish those we had more discussions with those kids about the many ways that they can be successful, even if they're not going to pull a 3.8 GPA. Um, it, yeah. Anyways, That's there's great. my spiel. Yeah, yeah. And uh, trade schools are very viable and wonderful. And my wife is uh, went to got her cosmetology license and uh, has done lots of things with uh, with that. So there are non-university and non-college paths forward in life that are both meaningful and uh, and useful in society but also uh, your education goes beyond just school right and so if you want to be the best educated person in the world it darn well better not stop when you graduate college anyway um, so it, it can give you a good head start um, and I think if you don't know what you want then and, and regardless going to university is probably a good goal uh, but it's not entirely necessary but let's let's get to, uh, some final words from um, Cameron any thoughts uh, yeah actually a couple thoughts um, kind of skipping back to the previous segment um, while you're going to college um, make sure you have fun you know do stuff meet people join clubs that will actually help you figure out what you want to do. Also um, helps with networking. So good point. Yeah, helps with networking. There's a lot of stuff. I remember um, my freshman year, um, I happened to go to the same university that our father taught at. My our dad was actually super surprised how many people I knew throughout the the college. Like we were just walking through campus one day, and I don't. I don't think we went more than, you know, passing one, you know, two people. And I didn't know one of the two people. Like I was, I was a fairly popular person my freshman year. And our, our dad was actually surprised how well I knew so many people. And then he asked, well, how do you know so-and-so? And so and I was like, oh, I'm in a club with them. They're in a class with me, you know, stuff like that. So. And networking yeah. is incredibly important. Good point. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the other thing is be very careful in the vocational school that you go. If you're going to go to a trade school and learn a trade like plumbing or air conditioning, electrician, stuff like that, that's a great route. But um, several schools um, lost their accreditation and the government actually had to pay back kids' student loans because um, a lot of like art schools and like massage schools and a couple things like that were telling kids that they could get jobs and be su sufficient and pay back their loans when they oversaturated the market in those things. And none of them were actually were able to. So be careful of what you're hearing and stuff like that. Interesting. That's a good point and a good uh, insight from someone that has experience in that. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Cameron. Yeah. All right, Matt, words of wisdom? Uh, no, I think we've pretty much covered everything that the uh, prospective college attendee needs to know about college. Um, no, obviously, we, we haven't 
touched on that. So my word of wisdom would be, um, you know, if you're looking at going to college and you happen to still be in high school, talk to your counselor. If you're not in high school, talk to the college admissions office. Uh, get information from academic counselors that know uh, that, you know, those resources are out there. And not to sell a short, but um, you know, they'll give you a little bit more immediately practical and useful oh. information than you can get on an internet podcast. Yeah, Carl. Enough I said it. Uh, yes. All right. Yes, you have lots of that resources. Said, thank you for listening to Learn It From a Layman to get to that right. one point where we tell you, go talk to someone else. <laughs> That's why we put that at the end. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, uh, I have been um, amiss and not uh, thanked our listeners the last few podcasts. I do want to specifically highlight um, New York, who's come a long ways. Uh, we used to have just a few listeners in New York, and we have a lot now. So uh, welcome to New York. Um, we have, um, yeah, I mean, I think I've commented in the past, our UK listener base is, is great, as is in India. So um uh grateful to everyone that uh, listens to us so we're going to wrap up here uh, thanks uh, if you have any questions about college admissions graduate school admissions all of those things we have experience with that trade school uh, admissions hit us up on facebook um, um we've got loads of experience so um uh, we will be finishing our well at some point we'll be finishing but we'll be continuing our world war ii podcast in the near future so listen to that and uh and we will talk to you next time